0: Thank you to whoever gave me the 25 peeps. That was very kind of you. And the, they gave me a peep ripening bowl. You may, if you want to check in my office, that's on my desk. You know, you just never know. You never know what's going to happen. Um, speaking of blessings of food, and this is, I haven't gotten into my sermon yet, but um, the 5-2 meal, I really want to keep encouraging you about the 5-2 meal. It's, it's just a very informal potluck every Sunday. It's always there, with the exception of maybe some major holidays and whatnot, and uh, we just encourage you, you know, take advantage of that. It's a good chance to sit with people that maybe haven't had ever a chance to get to know and find out who they are and feel a little more connected within the church, so please take advantage of that. If you're new t- to the church and you didn't bring anything, that is fine. You just go ahead and come and be our guests, and we'll, uh, we'll like having you there. So I saw a list of uh, top dog breeds that are most likely to be um, desirable from a distance and then regretted after you buy them, after you get them. Number one on the list, can you imagine what the number one dog on that list is? Border Collie, correct. It is... It is, the, it is the elusive Border Collie, and then a close second or third was the Australian Shepherd. So they were like neck and neck. They were up there near the top, and you're like, well, why would you not, you know, what could possibly go wrong with that? That, that They're beautiful dogs, highly, highly intelligent. They're not really dogs that are likely to like savagely, you know, uh, devour you, you know, when you're not looking or something like that. So what's not to like? Well, here's the problem. They're extraordinarily intelligent, which you don't know this, but believe it or not, a dumb dog is sometimes preferable to a smart one, uh, all, things, all things being equal, because the smart ones get into trouble. They've get, and, and, and they were bred with all this energy, energy to chase sheep and, and, and cattle all day long, and, and you think, oh, they're going to make this great pet, and you keep them at home, and, and you leave, and they're like, hmm, hmm, hmm. <laughs> what am I going to do? I got to make some kind of mischief here just to keep myself occupied. And you come home and your bedding is in pieces and whatnot. Things like that happen, and they herd you. You don't want to be herded by your animal at all times, but so many of them they, they get the they get that hurt. They have the herding instinct. They they see you. They see your children. They will herd anything in the in the vicinity. So you get this fluffy little puppy, and you think, oh, they're just so adorable. And then they will annoy you to tears. That's kind of kind of the picture of uh, of what it's like to own a shepherd. Paul's at Miletus on his way back. This will tie in eventually. Just we'll just leave it hanging for the moment. But Paul is on his way back to Jerusalem. He passes by Ephesus where he has ministered for. Practically three years, and uh, and he stops at Miletus, a little south of there, and he calls for the Ephesian elders. And you know the story; we've already started to unpack this uh, this passage. Paul has a limited time to be with them to impart something that's critical for the sake of the church, and so he is really drumming in some very core, very central things here. He prioritizes what the elders need to hear. He is calling the elders to vigilance he's calling the elders to vigilance Paul wants the elders at Ephesus to be like a border collie Paul wants them to almost have the instinct of 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 that kind of kind of creature that just has to hover and be vigilant and watchful and and keep things together he wants them to have that heart he does not want them to be Nelson the Norfolk terrier have you seen that video Yeah, this guy, as a practical joke, sets his his Norfolk Terrier out amidst the sheep, and it's a hilarious video. He's got millions of views because instead of herding the sheep, the sheep get a look at him, and they start running at him, and they chase him all around the pasture. There are people who are just not meant to be shepherds. Some people are just not gifted, not, not suited, not called to be shepherds, and you know, when the sheep turn on them, they'll end up being run around the pasture by them. I think sheep in general would rather have a Norfolk Terrier. Nine, you know, nine times out of ten, most days of the week, most hours of the day, they really would rather have a little dog they could push around, or better yet, a pig named Babe, right, Who's, who's horrendously polite in his commands. I mean, that's what the sheep actually want, but what the sheep don't know they need is they need the border collie they, they, they need ones like that and the church is that that way God has called elders elder and there's all these synonyms you know within the scripture and we see them even in Acts 20 we see all of the synonyms used they're they're elders they're shepherds they are overseers and they are called to be vigilant. They're called to, to, to have that, that sense of that duty. And so this is a passage for elders today in particular, but it's also for those who might be thinking about being an elder or who are married to an elder or for that matter, if, if you're just part of the church, to understand what elders are about and to kind of know how to support and pray for them. So this is the big, the big idea today. Elders give heed. Our elders in our elder training this week are going to actually we have elder training this week, and it just so happens to coincide we also have elder in training training this week. So all of those groups are going to be kind of looking at this passage um, to see what, it, what, what, it, what we may have been missing, what we need to see. Elders must heed two specific groups, and you see them in the text there. You've probably, you could probably fill this out on your own without even hearing me because this just flows point by point. First of all, they must heed themselves. They must heed themselves. Pay careful attention to yourselves, he says. Before you can mind anyone else, you need to be able to mind yourself. You need to be able to know that that you are in that right place. And that goes, first of all, I mean, that's just logical on the one hand, agreed? That the elders cannot really very well watch the flock if they're not watching over their own heart. It makes biblical sense if you think about the the qualities of elders. First Timothy chapter three. There's a long explanation of what elders are supposed to look like. You go to Titus chapter one. Same same thing. Pretty much the same list. And what you find, well, you go there. If I told you that's what the layout for elders is, you'd go there thinking there'd be a long list of all the duties of an elder, or all the skill sets of an elder. Do you know there's only one skill in the in the mix, and that's really just the skill of teaching the word of God. And everything else is a character quality. Elders have all these qualities. They're supposed to be sober-minded and self-controlled and respectable and hospitable, not drunkard, not violent, and so on and so forth. It, they, they are to watch their own heart. They're supposed to have control over their own lives and to be living in Christ. Peter says, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So right from the get-go, when we think about what elders should be paying attention to, before they can pay attention to you, the flock, they need to pay attention. Am I living my life in Christ? We're not talking about perfection, but do people know you to be a Christian? If people met you and didn't know you were a Christian, would they suspect you were a Christian? Or if they heard you were a Christian, would they go, what? (laughs) That's always a bad response, isn't it? Or if they ask your family, is he a Christian, they go, what? You know, things like that. You want to know that, it, that before God, not that you're a perfect human being, but that you are growing in Christ and that the Holy Spirit has started to conform you into that, into that image of Christ. Then you're supposed to heed the flock. Heed the flock. It says pay care, careful attention to yourself and to all the flock. Um, have, you, have you ever seen a Border Collie or a similar dog? when they catch sight of sheep or cattle for the first time. There's one video I saw where there are these uh, obviously very expensive, well-coiffed, really well-manicured border collies sitting in the back seat of an expensive car and they're going down the road and there are sheep on the road. And you can figure out from just this short little video, you can figure out that this is the first time they've ever, ever seen sheep in their lives. And it's just like, all of a sudden they understand that why the world exists. You can just see it in their eyes. They're like, Oh my goodness, this is it. This is what it's all about. You know, and it's just like every synapse of, of their of their whole body is firing because now they see, yes, yeah, this is this is what we were called to do. When it comes to elders and shepherds, I would say it's probably not that instinctive. It's probably not that you, maybe you thought I was going to go a different direction with that, but I think by nature, human beings are just different. Could could we stipulate that fact at the, at the off, outset that, that human beings and, and and dogs are different? I mean, dogs are very instinctive, and they do, as smart as Border Collies are, they have smaller smaller brains, and, and you get a human being, and and, and he's got a day job, maybe, and he's got hobbies, and he's got family, and he's got all kinds of you know, thoughts about politics and this and that and movies he likes to, books he likes to read. And then, and then all of a sudden, he comes to this role as being an elder. And it, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily instinctive. He gets at it maybe, you know, in the case of a lot of elders, they come at it first from the Word of God. They get a love of the Word of God, and they start reading the Word of God. They start studying that. And they, they could care less. About, <laughs> I'm not going to say they could care less about people. But maybe they're not people people to begin with. And, and, and they just have a real hunger for the word of God. And then they start seeing this and they start feeling some sense a call. And they, and they have to gain an instinct for that sort of looking out after the flock. It's not just a natural thing. Um, they may not be wired that they like being head-butted. Strangely enough. You elders, do you like being headbutted? How many of you that are elders or been elders really enjoy good headbutt now and again? No? Yeah, maybe not the first time. Maybe not after a after hundred times. You know, if you watch these videos of border collies and similar dogs, when they get into a pen with a bunch of cattle, they're just like this little tiny creature up and against these the size of these steers and steers don't always want to be managed and sometimes they'll they'll headbutt the collie and send it rolling and it'll come back and get down in its haunches like oh is that all you got come on <laughs> right give me more give me more you have and, and and human means can be different than that like a human a shepherd gets headbutted and goes, ow, what what? What what was why did you do that for? What was that that about it's, it? So there's a lot of ways in which we're not the same. Elders don't operate necessarily on instinct. They should operate on conviction. On conviction. And that is a different thing. If you come to being an elder, if you, if you sense God leading and, and, and you see it in the scripture and you understand its importance, then you don't necessarily, you don't have to look at it and go, well, I don't think I've got the instinct to be an elder. It's not about that. It's do you have a strong conviction? How do you get the conviction? Let's look at that next, next point because this is where we're going to see where that conviction has to come from. And that is elders must heed the gravity of their responsibility. If being an elder were natural, um, God would have called elders to be women, I think. Yeah, that's a controversial thing to say nowadays, but I don't care what anybody says. By nature, as a whole, not without exception, but as a whole, women are more nurturing than men. just Is that shocking to anyone here today? Women tend to be more nurturing than men. Uh, you know, a lot of little girls, even the tomboys, will, are not afraid to hold a baby. When I was a teenager, I didn't. I was scared of babies. I just will tell you that right now. Uh, the idea of babies just uh, creeped me out. Um, it did. I was, I was a, the youngest child, so I didn't really have the older brother thing going, and when people would bring a baby to church or something, they'd be like, do you want to hold the baby? I'm like, no, no, no. I, sorry, no, don't want to go near that thing little bald head don't know what's going on in their mind can't talk to you they look like they know something but I'm not sure what it is they just kind of creep me out and um, so I'm not maybe not not the most nurturing person to begin with but I have to tell you then when when I when I became a dad and, and my my first child came into the world all at once it was like the Grinch you know my heart grew three times its size and in that moment it was like, okay, now I get it. Now, now I understand. I see the gravity of it. I, see, I, I feel the weight of what that means now upon me, whereas it didn't, it didn't affect me before. Elders have to grasp the gravity of their responsibility. And, and part of that we see because of the one who made them overseers. Because of the one who made them overseers. Acts twenty twenty eight. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. So who is the one who called them to be elders, overseers, shepherds, pastors? Who, who's the one calling? What does it say? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who called you. Could a person hear the call wrongly? Are there people that think they're pastors and they're elders and they're not? Sure, that can happen. Could a person be disqualified from the role of elder uh, or whatever? Yes, those things are possible. Men can be called and yet get into there and then disqualify themselves for that. But all things being equal, what this is saying is this: the call to be an elder is not coming from any other source than the Holy Spirit himself. You say, but we as churches, we elect them. I think that's a horrible way of viewing what we, what we actually do because that puts it into a political thing, and that is not what elders are about. What the church does is the church comes along and agrees. The church comes, comes along and affirms and says, yes, we think so too. We believe also that the Holy Spirit has called this person. What I want you to see here, though, is is Paul's line of reasoning. The gravity of the shepherding role is the reason it is so critical and so important, and should lay so heavily upon one's shoulders, is because it is the Holy Spirit who calls. Does that make sense? I just that, that that should be just obvious from 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 the get go. If you're a sailor, and I'm, I use a lot of ship illustrations, and I have no idea why because I get seasick, but. Um, if, if you're a sailor and you're, say you're the lowest of low, I, th- I think in the U.S. Navy, that's a seaman recruit, correct? No Navy people to correct me. Yes, let's just go with that. Anyway, so you're a seaman recruit. You're aboard a, a ship. The ship it gets into trouble. It's going to sink. The captain comes by and it says, you, you're in charge of a lifeboat right, right now. You get on there. You, you take 20 men and, and you make sure that that gets where it's going. Now, so you do that. Why would you do that? say, so, well, because I want to advance in rank, I'm starting out at the bottom. This is a great chance to show my mettle, and I can, no, that's not your main reason. It might be in your back background of your mind, but that's not why you do it. Do you do it because you love those 20 men that get onto that ship with you? Somebody said, no, maybe, you don't know. You might really like those guys, or they might be a pain in your neck. You're not doing it because you have that connection to them. Why are you doing it? Because the captain told you to why should elders sense the gravity of their responsibility because the holy spirit has called them to that and and if the holy spirit has called you to then that that or you suspect that he has then then go through that process let yourself be confirmed by the church it's not about simply taking your rotation or turn I don't. If there's a man here and you go, well, when do I get my turn to be an elder? Uh, that's that's not how it works. That should, I, I, And I've been, and this is the only thing worse than a church that has no elders, which I find just not a very good form of church government, not a very biblical one, but the only worse thing than that is probably a church where they, they have elders, but they have that sort of view that, well, everybody needs to take a turn. <laughs> have you ever seen this, Matt? Have you ever been... Oh my goodness. Yeah, 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 you better ask Charlie. He hasn't been an elder. Charlie, you want to be an elder? No. But if I have to, you know, and then Charlie gets on there and for three years Charlie's miserable until he can finally go off. That's not what it's about. It's it's those men whom God has called. They are the ones that should sense the gravity and the weight of that and will give themselves to that task. The next thing is it's because of the identity of the flock. The identity of the flock. Yes, the flock has a name. You're like, who is this flock we're talking about? Well, the flock's name is the church, and it is not only the church, but it is specifically called the church of God. He is the one who has called the church into being. You exist as a people of God for God's glory, for God's praise, because God himself, not the will of man, but God has called you to be his own. You belong to him. The elder or pastor has the privilege from God to pastor God's people. Now, my colleague would herd anything. It, literally, she would herd anything that I would put in, in her path. If, if I brought home you know, 10 newborn kittens, she would herd them. She will herd golf balls. <laughs> yeah, if you come by my house and I'm out chipping golf balls in my yard, which I want to do, um, she will try to herd these inanimate golf balls, you know, and get them moving and get, the, you know, get them all, all together. That's just, it's an instinct. Again, it, it, for her, it's just about the, the herdability is, is, is the only thing she requires. But anyone, if, if God calls you, now on the one hand, if God calls you, you just do whatever God's called. It could be the silliest task in the world, and if God calls you to do it, you should do it. I mean, maybe if it's super silly, you should check your meds first. But all things being equal, if, if, if God says, I want you to build a gigantic ship out in your yard that's you know a football, length, you know, football field in length and, and can take all, then you do that, Right? But, but the beautiful thing about the role of an elder is that God is calling you to come alongside and care for his people, for the church, for his flock under his care. In essence, elders are called to love what God loves. Isn't that neat to think about? I, I don't know of anything, anything better in a way than for God to say, come along here and, and I want you to join with me in loving what I love, in loving the people of God. And it's, it's just as if God were turning his children over to your care. Can you imagine that? Like what a, what a weighty responsibility that is. And there is a weight to that when God says, here, care for my children. Okay, all right. Is this important? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like if you get it wrong, you could tie a millstone around your neck and be thrown into the deepest sea. So there's kind of like a there's like a fear confidence thing going on there if, if you're called to love the flock of God. On the one hand, there's the fear because there is a responsibility before before God. These are God's people. This, this is the church. And at the same time, there's confidence because as God, the same one that calls you to care for that which he loves is also the one who equips you for it. And we can up the ante just a little bit more because of their purchase price. Every one of the members of the flock were ransomed by the blood of Jesus, God's own son. It says, to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. Now, this is one of those passages that people go uh, uh, around and around on a little bit, but if, if, the, if you look at the language, it would literally translate something like, through the blood of his own, through the blood of his own. And in that case, it's probably there's an object of his own that's, that's implied, a, a dear loved one. Of God, through the blood of his own. It's talking, I believe here, about the Lord Jesus Christ. The father didn't suffer on the cross. The son suffered on the cross. So it's the blood of his own dear son. I've often preached to you about the importance of the church, why you as a believer should see the importance of the church for your life. But every believer and every elder should love the church because of the price that God was willing to pay for the church. Ephesians chapter 5, we always pull it in when we're having a marriage conference or we're talking to men and women in counseling. We always bring in Ephesians chapter 5. But remember, Paul says, I'm not even talking about men and women as much as I'm talking about Christ and the church. And what does it say there in Ephesians 5:25? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And there are hints of, of, of Paul in Romans there, Romans 8:32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And we take those passages and we individualize them to a very extreme extent. And there's nothing wrong, on the one hand, applying it to one's own heart and life to see ourselves as precious in the eyes of God and that Christ died for us. But when you look at these things in their context, they're almost always in that collective context that Christ gave himself for the church, the flock, the flock that elders are to oversee is the church of God for which he gave his own blood, the blood of his dear son. The other day, my colleague was... uh, running pell-mell around the yard. It was like 100 degree weather. And I had been, this was the week I was off and I, I did a bunch of home projects that week and I was exhausted. It was the end of a day and I'd been scraping and painting and mudding and, and I was just shot. And I was out sitting in a chair and I was kind of half in, half out. 100 degree in the shade that day. And, um, and she was running because kids were moving across the street. And I could hear her going by and I thought, oh, that's so cute because I hear, <clears> throat> throat> but I wasn't thinking about it. I you know just it, it just barely registered that this was happening and then all at once after I don't know how long she'd been doing that bad pet owner she she comes over to my chair and she's doing that. Like she's been drinking. No, she's having heat stroke. The dog was literally like at the verge of heat stroke, and I got her to the garden hose, and I took her inside, and she's still staggering. She has a dazed look on, on, on her face, you know, and, and I ended up calling the doctor, the vet, and, they, and they're like, well, you're gonna have to sacrifice one of your thermometers. Um, why? <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Just make sure it 's not over one hundred and two if it 's over one hundred and two you 're going to have to bring her in as a weekend. this was going to be horrible, but fortunately it just pegged out right at one hundred and two she 's okay you know but but here 's where i 'm going with that you know there 's a heart there there 's a desire, but even with with a, a breed like that, I mean there 's only so much physically that one dog can do, and then the stamina and the strength wear out. How, how much more true is that of of human beings what what it, it it can be tiring to be an elder and 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 the elders of this church can can attest to that um it it can it, the, when the when things are happening in the church you know what i'm saying happening um it can get to be quite a job and and who has the stamina for that the only thing that is going to get you up in the morning and keep you going i believe at the end of the day is seeing the gravity of the situation, seeing the worth of the church. If God gave his own son to purchase the church, then how dear should the church be to us? And that's, that, that just helps us stay motivated. It's kind of as if God, have you ever, um, some of you may have even maybe some of you have been grandparents during COVID and you didn't even get to hold your grandbaby for like three years or something like that, you know, or even be in the same room. Do you know that moment, though, when somebody goes, here, hold my baby? You know that moment? And you're like, oh, yeah, 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 okay, okay. And there's that sense that they trust you, that sense that here's something, this is the most precious thing to me, I'm gonna let you hold it. And, and you're, like, honored. And uh, in, in my case, I'm just always afraid I'm gonna break the thing, so here, I'll give it back to you. But, um, yeah, it, it's as if, as, for elders, it's as if God is saying, Here's my child, love her, take care of her. Elders must heed the gravity of the danger. This is our third point, final point, for which there are like three subpoints. but anyway. Uh, the role of the shepherd is a lot about protection from danger. Do you, you guys get that, right? I mean, you feed, you lead, you do other things. There's other things tied into being an elder, being a leader, but the key, one of the key, most critical factors of being a church elder is the protecting of the flock, you may remember David when he was talking to uh, Saul and he was trying to you know, get, get permission to go up against Goliath. You remember the scene? Because Saul's like, you're just a little kid. You're a little runt. We don't want you going out against the big giant and just you know, making us look bad. And this is what David says. He says, he's talking about when he was a shepherd. He says, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, ha, <laughs> ha, I caught him by his beard, and I struck him and killed him. Now, that's a good shepherd. That's a good shepherd. You remember when Jesus talks about the good shepherd? Do You remember how he differentiated a good shepherd from a hireling? We don't use that phrase every day. Kind of a day laborer, you know? You get on Fiverr, and you find a shepherd to go, you know, <laughs> That's the guy. And he says a hireling will flee when he sees the wolves. Okay, first of all, there is a heartbreaking prospect of the danger. Paul says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now, just try to put yourself, take that metaphor that Jesus uses, that that Paul uses, I'm sorry. Well, they both use it really, but take that metaphor and imagine yourself to be a sheep rancher, sheep owner, sheep farmer, your whole livelihood is sheep. That's, that's what I want you to understand. You've got this huge flock of, of wonderful sheep, and they are your treasure. They're your bread and butter. They're your everything. But you have to go on vacation, and you're going to hire somebody to come in and take care of your sheep. Meanwhile, you know that there are fierce wolves in your neck of the woods. I'm not talking about the ordinary wolves. Not the nice, friendly, you know, lackadaisical kind of wolves, but these are fierce wolves. These are the the kind of wolves that Amos talks about. The prophet Amos says, the shepherd rescues from the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear. Does that sound graphic to you? These are the kind of wolves we're kind of talking about here. The prospect of, of danger is real. You've got like these juicy lamb kebabs walking around out there in the field, but you have to leave. So you're going to put somebody else in charge. You hire this person, sight unseen. He comes in, he's got his resume, his CV, and he's done a little bit of shepherding. And, and he's like, you're, you're fine. You just go, We're okay. We'll be fine. And like, you really, because. Trust me. I'm telling you, this is wolf country. Uh, you gotta be, you gotta be vigilant. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just don't worry about it at all. <laughs> and so you go away, and you, and you leave the, the flock in the care of, of this under-shepherd hireling guy, and the first evening, you know, he's out there, and he's thinking, huh, I thought I saw a game, bo- uh, a, you know, game console inside, I'm just gonna go in there, I'm gonna, gonna play a little, you know, do a little game, he gets really tied down with his game, he stays up too late, he sleeps in, it's like 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock the next day, he goes out and looks, and there's half a flock left, you know, and some ears, and some other, some other pieces when you come back, what are you going to say to the guy? Hey, you tried. That's all I care about, you know, that you just put in an honest day's work and you gave it your best. Thanks, thanks, you know, I know you, tr-. yeah, you're going you're gonna to be livid. You're, you're going to want to become a fierce wolf and, and, and do something to that guy for, for not watching over the flock. The, the, the shepherd's role is to guard the flock. Elders need to heed the soul-threatening nature of the danger. So we've not yet spelled out what the danger is. Let's spell it out. It says, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things. Perverse is another way of using, you're referring to twisted things. So they're teaching things which are wrong. They're bringing false doctrine. I know you think that, that the only false doctrine or the, is the kind of false doctrine that knocks at your door. And you got two young men in, in nice white shirts that are standing there and they have little name, name tags, elder so and so. You get that? And we, We're used to that. We're used to that. We're used to ha- dealing with those kinds of situations. But can you imagine the, 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 the pain that Paul feels when he has to say to them, I know, I know that at Ephesus where I've poured three years of my life, as you guys go back there, I know that from among you, There will be those which will teach false doctrine, which will teach twisted things to lead the flock astray. False doctrine, it can be so bad that it leads the flock literally away from the gospel, literally away from Christ. And so it is sheep, there's a sheep-threatening outcome of the danger. The sheep can wander away. Look at the beeline of verse 30, to draw away the disciples' after them. So you're talking about a little church split thing when, when he's talking about this? When I say a little church, anybody that's ever been through a church split would never probably go a little church split. But you, you, there are church splits that happen and sometimes they happen for silly reasons and over silly things and, it, and you end up with two parallel churches that aren't that much different. I'm not talking about that kind of a thing. He, that's not what Paul's talking about. Paul is talking about A cult. Paul is talking about people leaving and apostatizing, leaving the faith. I think we're talking about what John's talking about in in 1 John, where he says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Can you appreciate how this would have landed with those elders? Just that warning, okay, from among yourselves. There's gonna be these fierce wolves who are gonna destroy the flock or part of the flock and and peel people away and take them away from genuine faith. Can you Paul is saying, if that's your brother, if that's your best friend, it you know, if it's just a fellow elder that, that, that you respect, but if that person comes in and threatens the flock, you know where your loyalty has to be. Isn't that crazy? That, 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 is, that, that is some pressure that most people probably can't really live with, but, it, but it's real. I don't know, how many of you remember the series Lonesome Dove? It was like a mini-series back in, what, the 1980s or something like that. It was a cowboy thing for those who, youngsters among them. You don't, you don't really need to know the series, but in the, sort of one of the culminating episodes, um, you, you, moments of the final episode, I guess, they, they have these guys, the bad guys, we'll call them the bad guys for ease here, and uh, they're, they're bad, they, they've murdered, and uh, the good guys have them on, how many have seen the scene, you know, the one I'm talking about, and they got them all on their horses with their hands behind their back, and they're putting a, a rope around their neck, and they're telling them, you know, why they're going to hang them, and they're, they, and, and they're all just horrible people, and they're like, ah, you know, they're just cursing the guys that are going to, but the one guy, the one guy was actually one of their friends. He had been their friend. He would gotten caught up. He wasn't even looking to be an outlaw. He had just been trying to get through Indian territory, as he said, and, uh, and, and he wanted to be safe, so he fell in with these guys, and, and, and they killed some people, and he became an accomplice. And, uh, and he's telling his friends this, and they're like, we know. We know. Um, but they still hung him. They still hung him because he deserved to die because that's what justice required. They did not let their friendship cloud their judgment. The elder shepherd is to love God's people so much that he would not endanger the sheep for at any cost. The loyalty to the good shepherd, the loyalty to the one who called him, the concern for the flock, those things have to come above his own personal feelings about somebody that has actually been his, his brother among elders. And that just shows you... I mean, A, it just shows you the serious nature of what God has called these men to, and that not everybody is really even intended or should be that that person. But it puts it, it shows you the full the full weight and gravity of that. Elders, give heed. You are entrusted with so much, and God has not been unclear, has He? Has God has God stuttered when it comes to the value He? he holds for the church you are his blessed beloved people for whom he was willing to shed the blood of his son to purchase you out of sin and hell and death and he calls shepherds to come into that and watch over you to watch over the flock and give themselves to and they will not give an account to you i mean you may call them to account and that's okay in the right instance there are circumstances where that, that's called for. But at the end of the day, you know, they're not Nelson the, the terrier being chased by the sheep. They're not giving an account. They know something far graver is in store, that they will give an account to a holy God who has loved his church. And, the one, and that Holy Spirit who calls them, and, and yeah, it's a scary thing, is, is the same Holy Spirit who will enable them we would love to include you here in our flock, uh, this particular flock, uh, this part of the flock of God. If you don't know Christ, then you're not actually part of that flock. We would, we would want to see you become part of it and to, and to become part of the flock, the Bible essentially says that, that you, as you are, have been going astray. Like a, like a sheep, you've, you've wandered off, you're in rebellion, you're in sin against a holy God. But God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world, the good shepherd, to die for his people, to die for that flock, that people of God, so that they might have everlasting life. So if you look to the good shepherd, if you turn and look to him and put your trust in him, you will be brought into that great flock of God. And hopefully, and, and, and needfully, <laughs> you should become part of a local church, a local flock where there are elders where they will look after you and care for you and 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 encourage you so let's pray Lord help all those who are elders who are called to be elders to to read this and see this and see these truths the the high points that, that you bring out here and really and and really come to conviction Lord I, I don't think very many people are instinctively just Wired the way a person would have to be wired, um, but Lord, you 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 give the calling, and you give the conviction. And I pray that that all of those who have been called to be elders in our church will only grow in that conviction and and grow in in that that sense of responsibility that they that they feel, and that they will trust you for that. I pray that the flock of God, your people might um, be cooperative and make their work a, a joy, um, not, a, not a burden. And in this way, together, Lord, we would grow up into Christ and, and glorify you in all things. And we ask, Lord, that you would bring more in, that, that your church might grow, that, uh, that your gospel might be believed upon by as many as, as, as may come. And we'll trust you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.